Hey, hey, how you doing? Uh, welcome back. Again. Huh? What? What's going on? Oh, uh, hi, just a minute. Alex just showed up. <laughs> um, this is... My Comical Romance! And we're here to educate and entertain. Yep, um, to do whatever uh, seems more pleasing to us at the moment, but uh, mm-hmm. it will be a combination of those two things. By reading and and uh, discussing a romance comic. Yep. Which, as you you know, are comic books about romance. Yeah, nineteen uh, forties to nineteen seventies, fun times, very silly. Right. So, and we're into season three now of this experience. Are somewhat arbitrarily defined seasons. Eh, we're, we're we're making them annual now, so it's 2022, and uh, this is the third year we've done it, more or less. So <laughs> it's season three, episode two. Welcome. Yeah, uh, don't worry. Um, all of the plot threads were resolved in the previous episodes. It's a great jumping on point. Yeah, we haven't killed off any characters yet this year. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here we are. And we're going to we're going to plunge into this, but there's a trigger warning this episode. Trigger warning. Uh, what's the trigger warning for those who need to be warned? Um, you can shut this off right after. Yeah, or if you just like to prepare yourself beforehand. Uh, this episode we will be uh, discussing pedophilia. It does not actually come up in the comic that we're reading, but. It's going to be an inevitable talking point. Mm. So we're going to talk about that and its prominence in society around 1960 in America. So In, in media and, and various other forms. So in addition to sexism and all kinds of other inappropriate topics that tend to come up in these stories, mm-hmm. uh, the the concept, at least uh, generally, of pedophilia will also be on the table. Yeah, it's um, just something that is a sensitive subject, and so we wanted to make sure that listeners are know what's going on with that going in. Right. And if you have young children who are listening to this podcast... And who are asking you what pedophilia is? We apologize deeply for that, uh, but maybe it's maybe it's a learning moment. Uh, so on that note, got a fun story today. Yes. Uh, and once again, I, I did give my dad some warning uh, about the theme that we would be discussing today. Uh, so we have planned a couple of talking points, but. He, once again, does not know what story I'm about to read. I know nothing about it, but I, what I want to know is when was it written, what's it called, and so forth. This is a new Charlton comic. Uh, well, not new, but it's from uh, March 1960. 1960. Yes, it's Love Diary Number 9. Oh, I wonder if it's related to Love Potion Number 9, mm. which was a song that came out in the 60s. Before or after? Probably well, after. after 1960. I want to guess uh, 63, 64, but I'm not quite sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, and today's story is called My Pal George. Okay. So, yeah, um, this is... I actually have credits this time. Um, I, I went to the to a comic book database, the GCD, um, which 
those letters do stand for something. It's an online comic book database Okay. that has a lot of uh, information about pretty much every comic that's come out, ever. Uh, so the likely credits for this one, because, again, out of, at the time, it wasn't so often that uh, writers and artists got to sign these. Mm-hmm. Uh, likely writer was Joe Gill. Pencils were probably Joe Sinnott. And inks were likely from Vince Coletta. So, three guys yep. writing the comic. That's uh, par for the course, yep. Right, that's true. Okay, but are you ready to dive in? I am ready. I am excited. Tell me again what it's called. I already forgot. <laughs> My Pal George. My Pal George. And uh, I do want to point out, this is Love Diary, so of course we have to emphasize the framing device of this is a woman writing in her diary. Oh yes, we've had that several times before. Yes. Dear Diary, I just, I'd heard about George Bannon before he came to Cameo Beach. How he shied clear of girls, spent most of his time studying for his college classes in the fall, and devoted all his spare hours to fishing while the other kids in our crowd were having a ball. So I decided to use a little strategy. Slow, slow down. Wait. She she heard about him. He, he fishes all the time. Yep. It's a beach town. Everyone's at the beach all the time. But he's like standing on the beach with a fishing pole instead of... Yep. <laughs> okay. So her strategy... She leaves out the fact that she's, like, attracted to him or whatever. Well, that's obvious. Uh, Well, he's a guy, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy. He's a college guy. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the protagonist and her friend are scoping this guy out. And her friend says, there he goes, Diane. That's the only way we'll see George all summer. Passing by, going, or coming from the breakwater. Cheryl, I have an idea. I'll shed a few years, all the lipstick and the sophistication, and I'll let friend Georgie adopt me. What? (laughs) Excuse me? Ah. Shed a few years. Yes. uh, So Diane looks, uh, she's a teenager at least, probably 16 or 17, I'd say. Because she's... Interested in a college guy because he's, like, older and cooler or whatever. Yes, so she needs to look younger. Than 16 or 17. Yes, to attract the college man. Let him adopt me. Yes. I mean, we can kind of stop right here. Mm. Uh, I don't think we really need to know where this is going. Mm. Because it's pretty obvious. Um, But I guess we're going to have to hear what happens next. Yeah, uh... So that was all, that was all I needed, dear diary. I headed for the cottage right then and made the needed changes. And uh, here she's speaking with her mother, who says, "If I didn't know better, Diane, I'd think you were twelve again." Ay, yow, ouch! Let's hope George Bannon thinks so too, Mom. Jesus. <laughs> so, oh my God, I thought you said something about how the pedophilia in this was sort of implied or subtle no i said there is not actually pedophilia in this but it is an inevitable talking point that's as close to actual as i want to get Hmm. yeah so uh in the picture uh diane has gone from having a bunch of makeup and her hair like loose and curling around her 
So now she's uh, wearing more conservative clothes, has her hair in pigtails, and has taken off her makeup. Which is all you need. Yeah, well, basically, that's the only difference between 18 and 12, is that you have makeup. And, and get rid of your pigtails. That's very important. Yeah, I suppose. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's her grand strategy to try and win over George. To get him to adopt her. Now, I'm really curious, and I don't mean that in the wrong way, what adoption means in her mind. Well, let's find out. Okay. Uh, so she heads out to the beach. Um, I didn't speak to the gang lounging on the beach in their usual place, and they just stared at me. Is she not wearing a bathing suit? No, she's wearing uh, some um, rolled-up jeans and a plaid button-down. Okay. They didn't recognize me from a distance. A good sign, I thought. And so she's... Uh, what is she, Clark Kent? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she's uh, approaching George from behind. He's at some rocks by a tree. He's reading a book. And she thinks, he really does study. Maybe I should go back. Forget this stunt. <laughs> that didn't and take that's much. the end of the story. Yeah, so uh, good. So she had a dumb idea, <laughs> started to make it happen, and then realized, my God, I'm stupid, and gave it up. All right. So today's story, uh, <laughs> there's more. But then George turns and sees her and says, hi, kid. What are you doing out here? Don't fall. These rocks are slippery. I, I won't. I'll go back. I won't disturb you. Then he smiled, dear diary. <laughs> and I was glad I'd gone to all the trouble. I love it when they... All, all everything else aside, I love it when they put dear diary in the middle of a sentence. I mean, that's just how diary writing goes. Uh, haven't you done that in your own journaling? It's, it's like she, she gets so intimate with her diary that she has to just personalize it even more. And I was glad I'd gone to all the trouble, because he had the nicest smile, the whitest teeth. Oh, good for that. I can't study much more. I've covered all the, the stuff that, that will be useful in the fall. Stick around. What's your name? So, wait a minute. He's been studying for the, the fall? Yeah, yeah. That's what you do when you're in college, right? You read anticipatorily for the classes you're going to take. He's on the beach in the summer reading his... His study books for the fall. And he's finished. Yes. Well, why doesn't he start the winter term books? <laughs> yeah, geez, George, that's no way to, to get ahead if you're just going to stop with the fall books. So, uh, what's your name? Diane Lewis. What's yours? George talked quite a bit. He told me about his studies in the engineering school and what he wanted to do when he graduated. So I think I'll try to get with a firm with foreign contracts. It'll be more interesting. And the pay will be better. Alright, like, I like his ambition. I don't know why he's explaining all this to a 12-year-old, though. Probably the first person he's spoken to in about a month. <laughs> it sounds fascinating, George. Hey, you're a big kid for your age. I'll see you around sometime. Do you like sailing? I've got a boat. I love sailing, George. What? <laughs> You know, so far, he's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. He's being friendly to a kid, apparently. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, who at least was interested enough to let him 
talk about himself and his mm-hmm. goals. Yep. Nothing particularly wrong with that. She's the one that showed up where he was. Mm-hmm. Now, this inviting her on the boat thing, that yeah. was a little bit sudden. Does he have zero other friends? Is is he that alone in the universe? Well, he was busy studying before. He is a nerd. Uh, she showed up just as he was needing some new, uh, something new to occupy him, and it just worked out that way. Yeah, so even if we put the creepy stuff aside, mm-hmm. pretend it was a 12-year-old boy or whatever, just that he was bored and he met somebody who they sort of hit it off, a kid though, mm-hmm. uh, and said, you want to come on my boat? I guess that's not terrible. By itself, if we pretend that this isn't a romance comic. (laughs) Dear Diary. Oh, jeez. That night, I told Mom about George Bannon. George sounds like a nice boy, Diane, but isn't this a little unfair of you? Her mother is, like, aware of what she's doing? Yeah, she saw uh, Diane in her 12-year-old Well, well, yeah, but she didn't know that it was a plot to to trap a, a, a young man with... Evidently pedophiliac tendencies. I mean, okay, so throughout this story, there is an incredibly generous interpretation you could give it of it being, no, it's wholesome, it's fine, no one's got bad intentions here. If anything, Diane's the one who's being sketchy. Don't worry about it. Uh, hold well, she's definitely being sketchy, but hold mm-hmm. on just a minute. Yeah. What did her mother just say? Uh, George sounds like a nice boy, but isn't this a little unfair of you? Unfair. Can we work on that phrase for a second? It's... Okay, so is she accusing Diane of saying you're not giving him the proper opportunity to lust after you? (laughs) That's not how I interpret it. To me, it's even worse. It's... Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, seriously, it's like sinking in what what this means. Her mother is acknowledging that a young girl, a Mm 12-year-old, is in fact more appealing to your typical George than the girl who she is in real life, than an 18-whatever-year-old. Unfair means that by looking 12, you're attracting him more than you would if you looked your your true self. And and that that's not fair because then all the other girls should should also look 12. I do actually think you're misinterpreting it. I believe the intention here is Diane is trying to use this 12-year-old guy's to get close to George, and because of it, he does not realize that she has romantic intentions. So it's unfair in the sense that she's going to, at some point, reveal who she is, or how old she is, whatever, and trick him somehow into already liking her enough that he can't escape even though if he finds out she's 17, he'd be less interested? I can't find a a benign interpretation. I'm sorry. (laughs) George surprised us all the next morning. He knocked at the door and talked to my mother. I'm George Bannon, Mrs. Lewis. I talked to your daughter, Diane, yesterday, 
and she said she'd like to go sailing sometime. I guess uh, the the panel where she gave him all of her like personal information, where she lived, uh, and so forth, um, we didn't see that one. That or he's just been trying every door. <laughs> or he's got some network of spies that he can call. <laughs> I thought I'd ask you to make sure it's all right. I'm a good sailor, and my boat is safe. I think it's all right, George. Come in, have some coffee. Uh, okay. So, again, he's coming across still as pretty blameless. Yeah, this is the honorable way to ask a 12-year-old you just met to go on a boat with you for hours at a time. Well, but, first of all, he's such a nerd that I think I'm prepared to accept for the moment that this is all just about, well, kid. Gender is irrelevant, just... Kid, fun, boat. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, he had to ask the mother, but not because it's a girl, but because it's a kid. Mm. So he's he's still blameless in my book so far. And, and I want to stick a pin in that statement. Yeah, because I know it's going to change. Okay, so I dashed for the door to my room just in time. Diane's a good kid. Girls her age are okay, but when they get a few years older, they get to be a pain in the neck. <laughs> So he actually hates girls. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, of course, in this panel, Diane is quickly braiding her hair to look 12 again. Mm-hmm. Hi, George. I'm all ready. Wait outside, Diane. I'll be right along. Don't worry about your the child, Mrs. Lewis. I'll take care of her. The child. I like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, next panel, they're in a boat. Uh, we sailed that day. I noticed George watching me with an odd look on his face every so often. Oh, 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 boy. I'm getting scared. This is going someplace really scary. Well, this was a publicly published comic in uh, 1960. It has the approved by the Comic Code's authority on the cover. Yeah. Well, first of all, the Comic Code's authority was made up entirely of men, I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> and what was approved societally in 1960 in this particular genre or subgenre. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't necessarily something I'm going to be comfortable with. So you are among the few people arguing that the Comics Code Authority should have been stricter. Uh, In this direction, I wouldn't have minded it. (laughs) When I grow up, George, I hope I meet a boy who has a boat like this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We went sailing again and picnicking. George was beginning to get a little suspicious after the picnic diary. Uh, I'm starting to get a little suspicious. It's one thing to sort of take a girl, little kid, out on your boat once because whatever. But when you start making it like a regular relationship, not so cool. And I'd say that if it was a a boy as well. Why are you staring, George? Huh? Never mind. (laughs) It's time to go. Let's get started. (laughs) All right, what's going on in his head when he's staring? Is he curious that maybe she's one of those annoying 17-year-olds? And and, and that if if he finds out she is, he's going to be pissed off. Or is he, like, getting attracted to her but still believing she's 12, which is worse? George was friendly with the family by then, so Mom sprung my plan on him when we got to the cottage that evening. He fell for it, dear diary. Wait, 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 Wait a minute. What cottage? They're staying at a cottage. I think that this is a summer vacation home. Ah, uh, I get it. Yeah, rich people used to do that. (laughs) 
Uh, she wait, she sprung her plan on him? Yes, the mom is she, springing Diane's plan on George. Meaning spilling the beans? No, no. There's a plan. We haven't heard the plan yet. So the, the mom's explaining something and says, And we're having a birthday cake, too. Will you drop over later, George? Sure, Mrs. Lewis. I'll be back in about an hour. The mother is cooperating in the deception. Oh, yeah. Full-on cahoots. With a, what, 13th birthday party? <laughs> oh, my God. I still don't know where the hell this is going. I mean, I do, but I don't believe it, so it's got to be going somewhere else, but not too far away. So, uh, Diana and Deckard Mom are talking again. In a way, Diane, it's a mean trick. Mean! <laughs> yeah, she's evil. <laughs> it is not, Mom. George has no right to ignore the crowd and go off alone fishing and studying. <laughs> All right. Actually, she's totally right. It's true. I mean, there are rules. Yeah. You're a handsome young man. Mm-hmm. The, the rest of the crowd is on the beach. Everybody needs to pick and choose who they're going to hook up with. I mean, and, it's and a you're truth like, universally acknowledged. You're pulling yourself out of the, 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 the race, the competition, the whatever it is. And you don't have the right to do that. He has no right to go study and fish. By the way, listeners, uh, you may have just heard me quote Pride and Prejudice. Uh, my dad totally missed that, as he has not read any Jane Austen. Well, you gave Jane. me Pride and Prejudice for my birthday last month. I did. And I haven't read it yet. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's. It, I mean, obviously you haven't read literally the first sentence. So you just quoted the first sentence yes. of Pride and Prejudice? Uh-huh, yeah. And what is that? Uh, it is a truth universally acknowledged that uh, I, something a single man of some wealth uh, must be in want of a wife. That's more or less it. Well, since I have it right here, because you did give it to me, and it's been sitting there since you gave it to me, (laughs) I am going to read that first sentence, and it says, It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Yep, there you go. Well, this is before homosexuality existed. Yep. Yeah, so it's true. I get it. Yep, there you go. But in any case, uh, so, yeah, it's totally unfair for him to ignore people. Help me with my hair, Mom. I want to make certain he doesn't still think I'm 12 when he arrives. Oh, wait. I know I'm dragging this out, but I feel like like every panel requires a a comment. So the plan now is to spring upon him her adultness. Yes. The moment he arrives at the supposed 13th birthday party. I mean, that had to be a number thrown around at some point. Yeah, they're very vague about this birthday cake business. I, it doesn't actually say that it's supposed to be for Diane. Could be someone else. Could be the mom's mm, birthday or I something. Guess. All right. But, okay, so now, so the plan, mm-hmm. as you say, is to spring it on him that she's an annoying 17-year-old, not a, a fun 13, 12-year-old. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, at this point, Diane has dolled herself up, up completely. Uh, her hair is voluminous again. She's put on makeup. She has a very nice dress, uh, pearl necklace. So uh, George knocks at the door, and she and Diane opens it and says, Hello, George. Come in. And he looks gobsmacked. <laughs> in a good way. Mm-hmm. 
so uh, I, I want to know, how would you react as a 20-something in this situation? Assuming you got into that situation <laughs> in the first place. Well, yeah, it happened to me all the time back then, but... Um... I'd be kind of weirded out. I, mm-hmm. I'd be very weirded out. But but if if I was the type of person who had just been spending, I don't know, half a dozen dates with a 12-year-old, I think I'd be pretty weird in the first place. Uh, <laughs> I can't honestly think of any example that I could fall back on. Diane, you, you are Diane, aren't you? Yes, George. I've been Diane right along. Aren't you surprised? I, I But now I'm Superwoman. Before I was just... Clark Kent. Clara Kent. Clara Kent. You've been a lying, deceitful goodbye. No way! He says that? Yep. Oh, can that please be the end of the story? Please. Don't go, George. Oh! No, no, let him go. Let him go. Please let me apologize. Oh. (laughs) I pushed him outside. On the porch we could see the full moon. And George looked at me. Really looked. For the first time. I thought you were a... Diane, why did you do it? <laughs> I like how he can't kind of come out and say it. I thought you were ah. Uh, and what, <laughs> before that, what was the thing he, he didn't finish the sentence? You've been a lying, deceitful... <laughs> <laughs> Fill in the blank, dear reader. <clears throat> why did you do it? Because you were such a snob, George. And so shy. Are you still angry? Wait a minute. Snob and shy, those two words don't, they're not, you know, synonyms. The point is, he wouldn't talk to her before, so wrong things with him. Oh, wait, was there some backstory that she had been trying to meet him and and hook up with him? No, no, that was just, she and her friend knew that he was busy fishing and studying all the time. Yeah. But I I don't see why you need more than that, Dad. had Had she ever, like, been in his presence... She saw him passing on the beach. And that made him a snob. Yes. As well as shy. Yes. How, shy many, snob. how many snobs do you know who are shy? Well, if you'll recall, George has no right to ignore the crowd and go off fishing and studying. Okay, that so he's inherently a snob. Mm-hmm. But he's also shy. Yes. He's a, sh- he's a snob. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. He's a uh, snob shy and... Are you still angry? Uh, keep in mind, he found out about this deception three panels ago. Speaking of not being fair, the way you use her, make her voice is just probably so accurate. <laughs> no, Diane. But we'll never be pals again, the way we were when you were only twelve. Uh, and then they kiss. Ah! <laughs> is that the end? Uh, almost. One last panel. Oh my god. So yeah, uh, when he's saying that line about them never being pals again because she was 12 before, mm-hmm. uh, their faces are very close at that one. Very obviously a kiss impending. Yeah. Dear Diary, the trick I pulled on George may not have been fair, but it helped us get to get to know each other, and I'm sure I wouldn't be in George's arms in the church today if I hadn't. <laughs> Uh, it, all the jokes that I could make, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna not make because they're. Ugh. Anyway, the, the the listeners are making them themselves at the moment. Yeah. So uh, last panel is them kissing at the altar. Oh God! How how many uh, years later? 
Impossible maybe? to say. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, this is a. Uh, I I've stumbled across this comic in my exploration of uh, just romance comic covers I find online and saw a one-sentence summary of this story and knew I had to have it. Oh my god. Um, I'm going to try to... I'm going to be a different kind of devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. You want to advocate for the devil? Excellent. Yes. I'm going to try to find the most benign interpretation of this as possible. Yes. I have tried to do this myself. <clears throat> the The story kind of demands it. They're really trying to say, no, this is wholesome, this is fine, this is comic code authority approved. Yeah. So, she isn't trying to attract him in a romantic, sexual type way by being a 12-year-old. No. She's trying to just make him be neutrally interested, and that's why it's called George My Pal. Mm Mm-hmm. Just be some fun, friendly kid who he kind of enjoys getting to know because he's sort of lonely. And the giveaway is that he says when they grow up, they become annoying. Mm-hmm. So, he, so he actually reveals that he doesn't like girls that are at least legal age uh, for, because they're annoying, because he's a nerd. Um, and so it's okay. She's sort of being just a friend, just a kid. And then when she sort of reveals that she's who she really is, something clicked within him because all those other girls that he could have easily probably hit on, on the beach, since they all sort of wanted him, it seems they just. Whatever never appealed to him. Because the big reveal, he started to walk out the door. Mm-hmm. He was pissed. He was going to call her some nasty names. Mm-hmm. So what changed even from one moment to the next in that situation? Uh, well, they were in the full moon and she said, sorry, but also you were a shy snob and don't be mad. So... I think what really happened is she started to use her feminine wiles, uh, a device that we have come across many times in these stories. So, okay, um, as you were saying earlier, George's portrayal throughout this story, for almost the entire thing, seems to be as reasonable and understandable as possible, given the scenario. They're, They're attempting to make him innocent. Yes, and I think that that is very telling. Mm, um, mm. Now, I did mention that the likely writer of this is Joe Gill, and uh, he's actually a pretty well-known name in uh, Silver Age comics. Oh, really? Yeah, he um, co-created Captain Adam, Peacemaker, and Judo Master. None of um, whom I've heard of. They were... Well, Peacemaker um, has a show right now. Oh, actually, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And yeah, he's... He was incredibly prolific, writing hundreds of pages of comics every week. Huh, like Roy Thomas. Yes, and he is a solid contender for most prolific comic writer of all time. So he wrote this in half an hour one day between coffee and breakfast. Well, what I want to establish is I am not calling Joe Gill a pedophile. 
Uh, or an apologist for. I just think that it's really unsettling that this story is trying to make the most okay pedophile story I've ever seen. Yeah, I honestly agree with you. I think on some level, on important levels, that's not what they were trying to do. Hmm. They, they were trying to have a scenario that was more about this sort of sneaking up on him and then revealing, ha-ha, look at me, I'm a beautiful girl who is eligible for your affections. Mm -hmm. And that there's none of the pedophilic dimension intended. Certainly not intended. Um, I certainly hope so. And that that general ruse-type scenario is common in a lot of romances. The, like... I'm going to pretend to be a different class than you think I am or mm-hmm. or something along those lines to test if you could fall for me if you thought I was poor or I'm going to try and woo you through having you think I'm rich. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing happens all the time. Um, this has a grosser angle to it. Yeah, and I think what you're also suggesting is that that angle... <sighs> was not so obviously repulsive as it should have been and would be today. And now we're going to transition into contemporary comparisons. Well, actually, we talked about this before. Yes, we did plan this. But as you were reading it, another thing came into mind that I hadn't mentioned when we talked about it before. And I'm sorry, I can't remember... Enough to give you the full reference. I could look it up maybe. But there's another movie that I know I've seen that is very similar to this. Mm-hmm. Um, except it's it's not quite as direct. It actually involves a, um, a, a girl who's a singer. Hmm. Uh, and she's a really good singer. But she the only way she can be successful or get the the agent or whoever it is to pay attention to her is to pretend to be like a teenager. Mm-hmm. She's actually like 20 something or 30 or whatever, mm-hmm. but they're looking for like a child singer. And so she like does the same thing. She makes herself up to look like a kid and she goes in and, and auditions and they say, Oh, she's great. Wow. Let's like, we're going to make her the next, uh, you know, child star. And it actually works for a while until of course she ends up having to reveal who she really is. And she even plays her own older sister during parts of the thing. But then, of course, she also gets into a romantic relationship with whoever and and all. So it's a similar concept of pretending to be a kid. Yes, but at least she did not pretend to be a kid specifically for a romantic motivation. Right, it was for the the career motivation leading to the romantic part, of course. So, as you may recall, listeners, uh, I did mention this came out in March 1960. Guess what came out two years before that? Very famous uh, book by Mr. Nobukov, Lolita. It came out initially uh, a few years prior in France because American publishers didn't want to produce it at first. But then in 1958, Lolita finally got an American publishing. I think it's called Nabokov. Nabokov? I think so. Cool. (laughs) Listen, I will fully admit, I have not read Lolita, and that will become obvious as we continue discussing it. I don't know anything about it. I mean, I know probably about as much as you do, but... Yeah, so I did some research what it's about, what major criticisms and praises it's gotten over the years, and I do not believe that Lolita, the text itself, is endorsing pedophilia, but 
it has entered the American lexicon. Uh, right. In that way. Yeah. That a, a Lolita is a young girl who is, I don't know, sexually available to older men or something like that. Yeah. Um, a similar term is jailbait. Which is... <laughs> yes, that's a more common term. Um, yeah. Um, so, based on what I've read about Lolita, uh, the general premise, if you're unaware, is uh, there's a man named Humbert Humbert who... Uh, can't get any women because he has such a stupid name. No, he's got trauma, childhood stuff, whatever. Anyway, he has a thing for nymphettes, as he calls them, which are early to prepubescent girls that he falls in love with, has intense uh, sexual attraction to, and he is a horrible human being. The narrative makes that very clear from what I have read about it. But in any case, the titular Lolita is actually actually a girl named Dolores who is 12 when he meets her. And many things happen. He winds up raping her for a number of years. And mm. her life uh, is pretty I, I, I believe that they don't actually use the word rape in the book. No, he actually says that uh, she made advances on him. Mm -hmm. Which makes it okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's totally fine mm -hmm. in that case for a adult man to allow a 12-year-old to have sex with him. Yeah. And sadly, I read some commentary online that does argue that point, sincerely. Oh my god. Well, big surprise online, yeah. Yeah, and there have been a number of articles and essays and so much interpretation about Lolita. I believe that it is it is meant to be a disturbing book. It, it, it's... Mm -hmm. Got, I'm sure, metaphors and beautiful language and such that make it have artistic merit. I am disturbed by how often I saw it called a love story, though. Mm -hmm. So uh, I brought up a movie that, that I actually saw, uh, and I think that I saw it when I was young. Like, a, I think I might have seen it at summer camp, of all things, because it's not the kind of movie I'd ever see in a theater. Anyway, it's called Gigi. Yeah. Uh, and what I remembered about Gigi... Also 1958. Right. That's the bizarre thing. What I remembered about it, uh, and we learn more, is uh, it's kind of similar. It's uh, It takes place in French, France, and there are French actors, but they actually speak in English. Although it was originally a French short story that was turned into a French movie that became the American musical. Okay. So it's a musical, and it's actually a very famous, successful musical with mm -hmm. Leslie Caron and, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the main character? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, I thought you had notes on this. No, no, uh, I didn't care about the actors. Um, anyway, you, you know him out there because he's a famous French actor. From... And this is a, a musical that is still frequently in production today. Oh, yeah. Um, and the basics of it are that she's this young girl and her, her mother is basically grooming her to be a courtesan. Which is another euphemism for young girl who has sex with older rich man and and is sort of his his well let's say concubine is another word mistress mistress but in the literal meaning of the word mistress she's young not not just a person he's having an affair with no uh, the the whole idea is that she will professionally be a younger woman regularly having sex with an older man 
in exchange for money and gifts. Yeah, in which case, and, and the money goes like to the mother, to the family. She's basically yeah, her her grandmother and her aunt. Yeah, they're renting out their their child. Yes, uh, but the story of Gigi is that it starts out that way, and then he uh, gets sort of embarrassed by the way that people sort of talk about them in public and behind their back and all, and then decides well, he wants to like he wants to marry her well at first he wants to sort of break up and not do it anymore and then he realizes he's, he's in love with her and so he, he ends up of course marrying her but the important part is he knew her as a child right sees her get slightly older after a span of time apart and then decides to romantic to sexually pursue her and remember it's a musical and the very what? first yeah, song... What's, uh, what's that most iconic song from it? That, that is, to this day, still, I think, a well-known song, because it won, like, Best Song Oscar. Mm-hmm. Thank Heaven for Little Girls. Yeah. That's the title of the song that he sings at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it's kind of the theme song, even. Mm-hmm. It's, it's talking about the, the wonder of... Little girls growing into women, I guess, but not really talking about, uh, like, oh, yes, isn't it wonderful how children eventually become mature, independent, 30-year-old women? Uh, (laughs) 30? No. That's like senior citizen. 22 is old in these stories. (laughs) Yeah, and this is a happy story. This is a delightful musical with songs and dancing. This isn't Les Mis. It's <laughs> intended to be uplifting and cheerful and romantic because in the end he decides he doesn't just want a courtesan, he wants to marry her because she's so wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and that's the happy ending. Um, <sighs> Which makes everything okay, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but this, now- this musical, um, it won nine Academy Awards. Which means it's probably showing on TV on the channel I watch, TCM, on a regular basis. Probably this month, because this is the month when they show Oscar-winning movies. So go out and listen to it. Watch it. You'll, you know, you'll enjoy it so much. So, well, I, well, we, I, can I move on to the music, though? Because, yeah, yeah, you've because, got that Chuck Berry song. Well, this is like an unbelievable year for pedophilia, because 1958 is also... When Chuck Berry came out with Sweet Little Sixteen, which is one of his most famous songs. It's the one that was stolen initially by the Beach Boys for Surfing USA. That's a different story. But, you know, again, th- this is not quite the same. It's, it's a, no, it's the opposite of, of our story today. It's, it's a 16-year-old who wants to be older and wants to be treated like a grown-up girl. Uh, so she's uh, putting on tight dresses and makeup, high heel shoes, and going out to to party and stuff. But then tomorrow morning, she's going to have to change her ways and be sweet 16 and back in school again. Frankly, it's an incredibly great song. Um, <laughs> you just have to overlook the fact that he was 35 when he wrote it. Uh, but... This is just par for the course so, um, for 1958 through 60 and, do you, do and beyond. Do you think that Chuck at any point asked her if uh, her mother knew she was out? Chuck Berry was arrested hmm. for transporting a an underage girl across state lines. Oh, him too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He spent time in jail for that. 
Uh, and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis married his 14-year-old cousin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly correct, but yeah, it, it was going on a lot back then. That's by far not the only uh, early rock and roll song that focused on little girls or younger girls, or, or you know, even the whole notion of, oh, I can't wait till you grow up, that kind of thing. Now, um, I, I can... Go away, little girl. You know that one? Donny Osmond did a version of that. So, I can hear inevitable internet backlash from our many, many very invested listeners. Well, no, but our, our listeners are very sophisticated. That is true. So, they, we won't get backlash, but they will maybe bring it up with their friends and they'll mm-hmm. get backlash. So, here's some preemptive defense that you can give to your less sophisticated friends. Yes, social mores change over time, and that is very obvious. It's very obvious that today we have different standards of what's okay for age gaps and who is old enough and mature enough to engage in a romantic sexual relationship with someone who is older. Like, that that has shifted, and, and I would like to acknowledge that we are aware of that. That does not mean it's not gross. Yeah, I mean, it's an issue that we have to look at across all of these topics, sexism in general, yep. you know, patriarchy, mm-hmm. obviously racism, and, and so many other topics that show up in every form of entertainment media yeah, and from every era. It's a very common essay topic, like, how do we evaluate media of the past? Is it fair to apply modern standards to them? So... <laughs> Basically, what we're getting at is late 50s, early 1960s in America. Weird time uh, that seemed to really be looking for stories about young girls with older men. Mm. I, I don't think it was just that era. I think it was it was like all history up to that era. Yeah, and, and you can certainly find all sorts of examples going way back... Today, I mean, I'm sorry. There are societies in the world today where 12-year-old girls are routinely married off to much older men. And, of course, we can always bring up the classic uh, Woody Allen. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and child trafficking. I mean, it's a big deal. It's, 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 now, at least it's criminalized, and it's something that people are trying to stop and you get arrested for and all that. But if we're limiting ourselves to American society, which is what all of our examples have been about. Yeah, except now, the French one. The, and the Russian one. <laughs> Nabokov was a... He moved to America, he published in America, okay? All right, all right. Uh, so the point is... Oh no. We'll never know what the point is. The battery died on the recorder. Just as she was making the point. I'm so sorry, everyone. Uh, we'll ask her to remember next time. Because I'm sure it was an important point. But thanks anyway for listening. And hope you've enjoyed the latest My Comical Romance. Please email us at mycomicalromance2020 at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook, My Comical Romance Facebook page. Bye bye. Sweet little 16, she's got the grown up blues. Tight dresses and lipstick, 
she's sporting high heel shoes. Oh, but tomorrow morning she'll have to change her trend and be sweet 16 and back in class again. But they'll be rocking in Boston, Pittsburgh, PA, deep in the heart of Texas and round the Frisco Bay. 